boys and girls, and welcome to another edition of the Whoa, Comics Pals. What are you doing? Stop. Uh, I, I'm, I'm, I'm here now. I'm back. You don't do oh, that. By God, the returning <laughs> champ, and his name is Sean Bartley. Thank you very much. Not the music I would have chosen. Oh, he's got a chair. I wish I had a chair because I'd put it over Phil's head. Um, <laughs> beyond that, uh, putting Phil's shit aside, um, Sean, that's kind of fucked up. You can't on- just interrupt somebody like that. It's kind of fucked up, Sean. It's not cool. <laughs> Sorry. Continue. Shame on you. Dude. Shame he, on you. He made a grand entrance like that. You're going to just try to under, like, this is the returning champion. He's here to take the belt back. Listen, don't mean yeah. he's not rude. After yeah. last week's episode, I can't even believe that you guys aren't like, crawling at my feet thankful that i'm and i'm back uh phil uh don't quit your day job Ooh. you know Ouch. Ouch. Oh my God, i'm broken in half uh <laughs> you're listening to episode 77 of the comics pals we're a group of comic book journalists and friends who record a podcast together because we don't talk enough about comics in our daily lives now before anything else no phil uh what i want to do <laughs> Is Phil? I want to let you know that your hosting skills—they could do some work, buddy. Uh, to begin with, your opener last week—not the most impressive thing in the world. Um, and the whole like weird voice angle you had going on—let's fix that. Um, <laughs> to be That's honest with voice. you, to be honest with you, I barely got through the intro. It was rough stuff. So you know, just a few tweaks, maybe. And then you might be on my level if you step up. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> maybe, maybe someday when you're out of the bush leagues, you can host Blues Clues like Sean. <laughs> Whatever. Hashtag Sean uh, for Blues Clues, guys. Let's get that going. So uh, I'm thankful to be back. Uh, it was weird listening to the show without me on it. Uh, but uh, thank you guys, of course, for holding down the fort in all seriousness. Phil, you did a good job. Uh, we did the best we could, man. <laughs> absolutely. Uh, I would love to hear what everybody else outside of myself thinks about the episode. So, of course, you can hit us up in a myriad of ways. Uh, you can hit us up on Apple Podcasts, where we are a five-star rated show, and we'd love to keep that trend going. We are on SoundCloud, where you can hit us up, where you guys are really good to us in terms of listenership. You can write to us at thecomicspals at gmail.com. Uh, we are on the social medias wherever they are sold, at the Comics Pals. Uh, and last but certainly not least, we're on YouTube, where you can leave this video a comment, leave it a like, share it with your friends, and subscribe to the channel for more awesome content like this. It's free to do and helps us out a lot more than it costs you. So, uh, big, big week. Lots of exciting stuff to talk about. And I'm very anxious to jump into the show. So, why don't we start this baby off? The way we always do. Uh, and I think Phil is going to take it away. Well, I actually... Wait, again? <laughs> I'm back! I, I actually have a question for you guys. Oh, uh, so does that mean it's time for the random question of the week? As yes. it turns out... Oh, okay, cool. Let's do it. <laughs> no, I, just, I was just wondering when we were going to start the show. So, the Avengers movie is coming out soon, and I guess my real question here for you guys is, what are the Avengers' favorite snack foods? 
<sighs> well, we are we all right. So we already know from the first one that Tony likes shawarma. Yes. They all like it. Well, no, 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 no. But that was the thing. I, he had never tried it. He was like, let's go try shawarma. Uh, good point. Yeah. Good point. So I don't but think they dug it, though. They I were into it. Sure. But. Does that make it a favorite, though? I don't. And yeah. my, que- my other question to that is, is it a snack food or is it a meal? I don't know. I don't also even know what point. it is. It's a meal. Shawarma's a meal. Shawarma's a meal. Yeah, yeah it's not a snack it's food. Like, I'm thinking like cookies or something or like, yeah, or like chips. Fruit. Listen, guys, this is real <laughs> shit. It's, uh, it, it's early a.m. I haven't eaten. This food talk is making me hungry. So let's get through this random question real fast. All right. Okay. Uh, I'm behind that. For real, Tony Tony eats, I think it's dried blueberries in on the helicarrier when he's uh, antagonizing uh, uh, Bruce Banner. Okay. That go. works. Um, I love how, how well-versed Kale is in what what Tony Stark eats in the Avengers movie. So here's here's my question. Can you guys think of a snack food that's been around since like World War II? That Cap could, you know, like stick with, like something that would remind him of a simpler time. Probably fruit, right? Hershey's. Like <laughs> Hershey's. Hershey's stuff's been around. Maybe a nice an apple bar. An like apple? I, yeah, like right. I'm thinking like an apple. Cap eats apples. Vision. The vision has gluten free oil shakes. Okay, Marco. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Just give what, an answer. Uh, what does What does the Hulkster eat? People. Whatever he wants. <laughs> Yeah. He eats whole sheep as a as a snack. Thor <laughs> Thor <laughs> I think Thor drinks like just, mead. Yeah, just he eats beer. Straight alcohol. Yeah. <laughs> he either has entire entire meals where he eats like a whole chicken or he just is drinking mead. Yeah. And Black Widow. She Kind doesn't. bars. She doesn't snack. No, kind Ribs. bars. <laughs> Ribs. That's not a snack anyway. <laughs> it is for her. Mm. All right. Uh, I'm with Kayla. I don't think she snacks. Wait, wait, wait. I'm saying Hulk like Hulk celery. Okay. The whole snack is, is Black Widow. That's a okay. snack. Okay. Enough <laughs> with that. Mm. Uh, that was how about not- Hawkeye? <laughs> I'm done with this. That, that made me want to <laughs> stop this bit. <laughs> Hawkeye and then we're out of here. Because he's, yeah, yeah. you know, the, okay, the, okay. Yeah. Now he eats a Cliff Bar for sure. Trail yeah, mix. I, yeah. I feel that. Trail, yeah. Mix. Trail mix. Trail I mix. I buy too. that. Yep. Yeah, because he can fit okay. it in his quiver too. You know, it could just be like a nice, you just put your hand in, grab a handful out, and you're good to go. Mid scroll invasion. Yeah. Hawkeye, Hawkeye is like the fucking mom of the Avengers. He, he's always packing <laughs> like a, a, snack a snack in his quiver. <laughs> he's like, he has something yeah, for all of them. <laughs> I brought you raisins. Or, or, or like. Jarvis Jarvis packs his quiver with a, a little a little Ziploc bag of each of their favorite snacks. <laughs> over over uh, the little cool. intercom, he shoots apples with an arrow for Captain America during a battle. How funny would that be if there was just a shot where it's just like Hawkeye shoots an apple, and Cap just turns around, catches it, and just <laughs> Here's, no, they're already they're already sliced. One last question on this matter. When 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 Ant Man eats an apple, is that a meal for him or a snack? Because like I imagine when he, he that's what I mean. Yeah, does he shrink down and be like, I'll, you know, I'll just eat an apple for dinner, I guess. Wait, I don't know that it would actually work that way. I know that's what I mean. I don't know. Hey, dude, what you only get one random question? Like, yeah, wait, it's a, that's it's a, a whole just, other question. 
This this segment this, is random questions. But see, this this singular. isn't like a random question thing. That's he's just pontificating. You know, it's just like how and does that work? And also, Ant Man's an Avenger. Yeah. So my, my thing is, I think what if he ate a big like if he was little and he bit a big apple, right? I think he would be able to fill his stomach with that without even making a dent in it. But then if he got back to normal size, I think the apple would probably stay normal, right? Or would it proportionally get know. bigger? You know, it that's would the stay question. the size he. It would stay the size he. He bit. The size of the apple never changed. It's his size that changed. Right. Yeah. The size of his stomach. Well, if, but if it's but if it's inside him, like does, does it, it change with him? That's mm, the question. That's that's the question. No, I I don't think so either. That's what I'm saying is that he would eat the apple and be full when he's little, but then when he got big again, he would be. It would be like, oh, I just took like a bite. I'm not convinced he'd be full. So when he's when he's a uh, real small, does he still have the metabolism and the appetite of a, like a grown human man? I would think so. I feel like he'd so have guess- to he'd have to compensate for that size, and like there'd be some kind of like accelerated or decelerated whatever metabolism thing, like proportional to how like certain animals, depending on size, have different metabolisms. Like maybe it'll vary based off his size to compensate for that actual change. Yeah. All right, well, uh, that's a question for another day. Speaking right of food, food-related questions, we do have uh, a reader mail that directly directly uh, deals oh. with this. That's a, that's a solid uh, attempt at a transition. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, uh, if you all listened to last week's show, you'll remember we got a letter from a listener, fan of the show, named uh, Fart Knocker who has been writing into both us and uh, our friends over at the Long Box, and uh, he has written in again with another brain teaser. So he writes in and says, oh, what? What do you got? They wrote it in the Long Box? I, I haven't heard about this. Yeah, he did. Or he oh, or boy. she. Uh, I guess we should they. just say they, right? Yeah, we don't they. know. Um, it, uh, okay. <laughs> so. I know who it is. You do? do you? Yeah. It's you very obvious know? who it is. It's very obvious who it is. It's you. Hell no, it's not. You think that this <laughs> is in my wheelhouse? No, so here's it's the thing. Let's go. Wait. I, I never thought it was what? you, but last week I theorized it could be you because I was like, I we'd heard. never expect it. We'd never expect it, you know? I would yeah. never do something like that. It's obviously Marco. It's, it's Phil. It's a bit, Marco. It's, it's you, Phil. Marco. Look oh at his God. face. It's Marco. He's tearing us apart. Marco. <laughs> no, clean. dude. No, seriously, not me. Yahoo.com? No. Marco? Like, I would at least do AOL. <laughs> Marco's, like, Marco's like, I would never. I, would never I don't. I would How never use their you? services. He wrote into the long box. Marco loves the long box. He's yeah, but I would write in as me. I, I want them to, to read, like, from me. No, because so. that does track. Do Marco, Marco wants Marco, to crack. He he wants to do a, a cross show bit. He's got that Reddit thing going on. Like he's way into no, that that's show. For fun. It's Marco. No, it's not. Yes, that's like it's the, you. This, this is trash stuff. That's Phil. It's in no, line. You're trying to shift it to Phil. <laughs> I'm I'm not. You are, you dude. Because like even in our private chat, you were just like, "Oh, look, guys, I just I just did a geo search and it's from California." Like Phil, you a don't know how to do that, search. do you? Because like, I, I thought hey, that's where it was. Yeah, I, I just looked up the IP where it gets sent out from. <sighs> All right, so they're, let's they're give Marco, California. 
let's give Marco what he wants and let's just read the dumb question, get it over with, and have this never happen again. <laughs> okay. All right. I'm upset and by this. Listeners, you write in and let us know who you think, who who is the fart knocker, okay? Hey, pals, fart knocker here again. Thanks for answering my last question about Superman farts. I think wind power would be best, but the smell would be awesome too. So I got to wondering if the Hulk had large farts. Is his poop like supersized also? What if he stayed in Hulk form for a long time, then he went back to normal, his normal human size, and his Hulk poop didn't change? Would it fill his puny human body with massive Hulk poop killing him? Sincerely yours, the knocker of farts. That actually was a right. lar- Alright, so here's the thing. I think, I think Bruce Banner and the Hulk have massive gamma radiation sized like <laughs> green all glowing green all the time shit <laughs> yeah because that dude that dude is a walking gamma bomb well and like he straight up eats garbage sometimes you know like <laughs> yeah are, are the rats in like the subway sewers of new york like massive from the gamma radiation then yes okay also i i have a question what is a large fart like does he have large farts <laughs> I just saw I just saw a quote from uh some some publication um that had a quote somewhere from Reddit on the Princess Bride. <clears throat> Apparently, oh, so one Erica, day uh, Andre one day one day Andre the Giant in the middle of filming did like a 16 second fart. <laughs> and it it halted production. Big man, big fart. Nobody nobody said a word until the director Rob Reiner went, Andre, are you, are you okay? And he went, I am now, boss. I, I am ready for next scene. So can I just point out that the the so the verbiage in this uh letter, right, uses the word poop. That's a Marco word. No, it's not. That's a Marco yes, it word. is. That is a, that's a Marco word. All of us say shit except Marco. That's a Marco word. No, I just want to point that out. That's why would I ask about Hulk, guys? What if it was Jess? If it was Jess, Jess I doesn't would... have time for games like that. I would. I would listen. I would be as surprised as you are. <laughs> <laughs> I would fucking literally mail her a hundred dollars. Like, <laughs> like no, that's all she has what? to do for a hundred bucks. Can we? No, 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 no. Kale's definitely <laughs> gonna tell her. I'm gonna put her up to it at this point. <laughs> Jess, Jess falsely reveals that she's the fart knocker just to extort a hundred dollars out of me. <laughs> uh, uh, listen, a hundred U.S. dollars is a lot of kiwis in New Zealand. That's right. <laughs> all right, so are we done? Yeah, we're done. We're, done done. we're fucking done with okay. this. I agree with Kale. Yeah, giant, giant, I'm, giant, green I'm, glowing shit. I'm just. All right, yeah. Let's do all it. Right, Let's yes. move on. Good. Very so good. the hesitation, right. Sean. You saw that he didn't want to leave. That this was him because he's dumb and he wants to actually pontificate on the question. No, because you guys have the same <laughs> dumb oh, humor. That's right. why. <laughs> wait, wait. Put time out. Kale earlier said he wants to beef up like Sailor Moon, and I'm dumb. <laughs> wait, what? That was off yeah. mic, dude. You can't make jokes about the pre-show. I'm bringing it in. because. <laughs> All right. Well, guess what? I'm taking it out because I don't give a shit about what you just said. Now, let's move right along. We got All a right. show to do, baby. Um, we have. We, we, so, we, did, we did have one more piece of reader mail, Sean. Don't forget. Oh, 
You're right. You're absolutely right. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. Uh, so we, we did have question. we we yeah we had actual real reader mail uh, from our pal Snake of Talons, aka Jimmy, uh, long time listener. Jimmy, our boy Jimmy. Hey, Jimmy. Uh, so Jimmy, uh, Snake of Talons, writes in and says, "Hey pals, I really like when you guys do reviews for single issues. I hope that continues. I actually read all three comics you hey. mentioned, so I'll give my thoughts. Personally, I thought Metal was amazing." However, I love just about everything Snyder does, so maybe I'm just fanboying. I understand the idea of wanting more from your story, but I enjoyed that this event was just a lot of fun. It never took itself too seriously. It was just a fun comic book. This is the first event I've had fun with in a while, and I think we needed something like this. Shattered Grid had an amazing start. I'm hooked, and I can't wait for more. I agree with everything you guys said about Doomsday Clock. While I want to see more about what is going on with the story as a whole, this issue was amazing. Uh, even when we get a side story about the new Rorschach, Johns and Frank knock it out of the park. Side note, Phil's impressions are the best. Uh, all right. Oh. Uh, so I don't, I don't encourage him. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> the, I don't the, do any impressions. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, taking it from the top, uh, yeah, I mean, all those issues were, were really good. And I think what you said about metal, you make a good point. Not everything has to have some grander meaning some some things can just be fun and you can leave it at that i think you're absolutely right that wasn't enough for me personally uh to think that it was you know phenomenal uh but i thought it was good and i definitely enjoyed it um so you're 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 absolutely right there and uh yeah, yeah there's nothing wrong with just having a fun event like that every once in a while yeah absolutely and it was a clock was really great and phil's impressions uh suck so there you go jimmy three out of four ain't bad yeah, <laughs> yeah. Jimmy, Jimmy's been around long enough that he, like, I understand him having Stockholm Syndrome for Phil, you know? It's kind of like us, like, he, you know, he drives me crazy, but, like, I, it's, like, almost like that little brother where it's, like, I want to fucking just squeeze the life out of him sometimes, but I also love him. Oh, well, whoa. Well, and, like, the thing is, like, looking, looking at us from the outside in, like, you would think we're really good friends. But like that's like the mistake. Wow, <laughs> the mistake. That, that was fucked up. <laughs> I'm, was it? I'm gonna, think about listen. our relationship and even what you just said. What I said, I love Phil. I want to squeeze the life out of him sometime, but I would never say he's not my. Good <laughs> there it friend. is. Yep, there it is. <laughs> listen, you guys can try to dunk me, dunk on me all you want, but the reality is, I'm like Shaquille O'Neal. You cannot dunk on me because the reality is, you're Jimmy seven feet tall. Me. Oh, okay. Uh, so and I'm the best. I am the people's champion. Wrong. Uh, so, Jimmy, let me direct a question your way. Uh, how excited are you for Scott Snyder's Justice League run? And do you think, on the outset, that it will live up to the hype and be on the level of quality that his Batman run was? So, let me know what you think about that. Uh, and, of course, as always, you guys can write to us in a ton of different ways. Uh, Jimmy here chose to get us on YouTube, which is perfectly acceptable. Uh, but you can also write us at the comics pals at gmail.com as Marco chose to do under the guise of fart knocker. I did. Uh, we read those too. I did not. That, that, I did not. It. Yeah. I did not uh, so, email you. I did not. Hey. <laughs> two impressions from the, that movie are good. <laughs> what movie? Like. For is, is this a bit? <laughs> no. What, what, what movie? <laughs> What's the, the story, Kale? The Room? Oh, Tommy I Tommy The Room? Oh. I haven't seen that. Uh, so, let's move on to the Palace Pulls. 
Uh, so a lot of similar picks here this uh, for this upcoming week. Uh, as you guys know, Pals Pulls is the segment where we talk to you guys briefly about the books that we are looking forward to for the upcoming week. So if you're listening to this on Tuesday, we're talking about that Wednesday's books. Uh, so uh, Marco and Phil uh, both chose Mister Miracle number eight. <clears throat> I think I can. I think I can sum up both Marco and I's feelings on this. Uh, it's the good shit. How much sack does it rip? It rips major sack. Ooh. When when does the first trade come out? Do we know yet? Uh, probably probably soonish, right? Because the first six issues will probably be collected. So probably probably not probably not too far away. Sounds about right, Marco. Did you want to say some words on Mister Miracle? Um, yeah, no, uh, the book has been really exciting. I, especially last issue, I think that was the, the, an example of the, the craft that they both bring. And so I'm really excited to see where this continues to go. And, um, uh, yeah, we're, I think we're, this is eight. So just four more to go. So it's going to be ending pretty soon, but I'm excited to see where it all ends up. Uh, breaking up, but you, you were down on. Uh, Mr. Miracle at some point, weren't you? What do you mean? Uh, I feel like there was a, there was an issue or two that you weren't that impressed by. I think it was like issue, it was early. It was like issue three, maybe. Or that was like I say three or four, I seem to recall. Yeah. 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 But no, since, I mean, since then, it's just been like constant up. It just gets better. Especially this last issue was awesome. Absolutely. Uh, so we've also got uh, Pete. Uh, new Superman 22. Yeah, so I forgot to call this one out last week. Um, <clears throat> so this one's already on shelves if you want to go pick it up. But uh, I've really, really been enjoying New Superman. Um, I think Gene Young Lang is doing some really great work. And um, now they've got, I think it's Brent or it might be Brett uh, Peoples on art now. And um, I think they're doing a great job. It's been a book I've really been enjoying. And um, the current storyline with the um, Aquaman of North Korea has been like super, super interesting and taking the book in kind of a fun new direction. Uh, And this issue wraps up that storyline. So um, if you're not reading this book, I really highly recommend it. And um, yeah, I I definitely think it's, uh, it's, it's one of the more fun like teenage superhero books that I've read in the last few years. So... Um, if that's your vibe, definitely go check it out. Awesome. <clears throat> and then Marco and Kale both shows Power Rangers number 26. <clears throat> so this will be part two of Shattered Grid. Uh, we'll find out what happens to Tommy and, um, I, you know, what whatever the hell the pink, or the pink Time Force Ranger is doing uh, in the Mighty Morphin timeline. And uh, I assume we'll figure out what Lord Draken's up to as well. So... Um, you know, part two is where things start kind of showing their, uh, where people start showing their cards. Um, yeah, real pumped about that. Uh, Marco, did you get to reach out or grid one? Uh, I didn't, I was waiting for this next issue to come out. Um, so I'm going to pick it up and then I'm going to read them just back to back so I can just get that really, uh, I just get like that, that full experience really quick. Are you caught up on Power Rangers otherwise or? I'm I'm not uh, so I'm kind of like wary as to whether or not I should jump in on it, um, but I don't know. I want to I want to read the event. Where did I you think stop? you've read? You've read more than I have, right? I think you've got three, three or four trades in. Yeah, yeah. I didn't get the fourth one. Okay. I mean, you guys talked about it last week, and you felt like 
it wasn't so bad to jump in without all the full context. Mm. So yeah, just just go for it, dive in. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So that that's awesome. I can't wait for that as well. Um. And then Kale, you also chose Black Monday Murders Volume Two. Yeah. So this is uh, uh Jonathan Hickman. Um. I am a huge fan of Jonathan Hickman. I uh, the Manhattan Projects is is one of my favorite books. Um. I love his Fantastic Four stuff. Um. He's just one of the one of the just weirdest, most cerebral. Cerebral writers uh, on the market right now, and I just I love his stuff. So I'm I I don't get it a lot, but it's it it's the kind of stuff that I will always try. I'm right there with you. Uh, And Black Monday Murders is actually really good. Uh, So if you're into what Hickman does, then you'll really like it. Sweet. Uh, so for me, I chose Lazarus 27. Uh, I am a massive fan of Lazarus, uh, Greg Rucka, Michael Lark. It's getting adapted, uh, I believe, on Amazon. Uh, the show's going to debut. Oh, right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, and it's been on a quite the hiatus. Um, so I'm very, very excited um, for this. It's such a such a good book. Um and so uh, I can't I can't wait I can't wait to get into Forever's world even more and um, see where all that's gonna go uh, and then last but not least yes Phil I remembered um, all of us chose Action Comics 1000 it's, it's the big one this is a monumental book and uh, I think everybody's probably gonna be reading this one uh, you know if you're a comics fan uh, you know, there's no reason not to pick this up. Phil, do you want to add more since you're the big Superman guy? What's crazy, and I didn't realize this, uh, like how perfect the timing is, which brings us to Funky Phil's factoid of the day. <laughs> um, <laughs> Can that be a new segment? So, I, uh, does it have uh, to be? <laughs> with Kale. So yeah, Funky Phil's factoid of the day. Um, uh, on Wednesday, on that day in history will be, in fact, the 80th anniversary of when Action Comics number one came out. It Like, on that day, when 80 years later, Action Comics 1000. Like, what are the odds that it releases on the same exact day? Like, you'd think the same week, but the same day. Right, yeah. Because I don't even know that comic books were released on the Wednesday schedule back then. I, I, mean, yeah, I, I had no idea. Had no idea, so that's crazy. Yeah, so, like... Uh, I I have to presume DC knew that maybe not. Um, they had so them, right. right. Uh, this is exciting. This is this is history. We're living history. Uh, Eighty years of this industry that we celebrate so much. Uh, the the genre of superheroes and uh, this is really exciting. I'm really looking forward to picking it up. Likewise, likewise. Uh, I I guess my memory is escaping me. When does the bigger book come out? The hardcover or whatever? I uh, is it not the same day? Yeah, I thought there's, it was the same day. There's like a there's two different ones, I believe. Because there's the hardcover and then there's the uh, the regular edition for plebes. Right, but I I remember that there's the the hardcover. Right, the the hardcover that has all the different stories, and that's yeah, the where thirty dollar one. Yeah, it doesn't. It's not listed for this upcoming week so i'm not sure 
Um, I think I, I feel like it was later. I feel like it was a later release, but uh, we'll we'll stay on top of it. We'll we'll, we'll find out. Yeah, we'll let you know next week. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and um, we'll 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 probably read Action Comics one thousand uh, to talk about it uh, with you guys and let us oh, let, yeah. let you guys Definitely. know your thought our, our thoughts. I do. I believe it comes out next week as well because I'm looking at Amazon and it's thirty dollars uh, marked down to twenty. I think mm. that's it. Well, my my go to uh, being Midtown Comics doesn't have it listed, but you very well may be correct. But as I said, um, we'll uh, if it's out, it's out, and we'll talk about it. Uh, so in any event, moving right along into the news, uh, we're gonna start with. Uh, a, a doozy and an interesting discussion. Uh, so there is a Titans uh, television show, live action series um, on the way. Um, and uh, some photos leaked, uh, some set photos that showcase uh, three of the characters who will be appearing on the show. Uh, Beast Boy, Starfire and Raven. Now, there, sorry, there was a fourth of uh dick grayson looking just like a regular fucking dude just so. like a dude <laughs> well we had seen we had seen uh dick grayson previously i believe uh they released the the photo of 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 his of him in full costume it was like promo yeah but this this leak legitimately i'm not making a joke here they whoever did this leak released a photo of dick grayson not as robin in like a hoodie and a jacket and oh. with like a bag and it was and he looks just like a fucking dude yeah and like i, I think no one was passing it around just because he's in like plain clothes okay you, yeah, i haven't you, seen that are you thinking of jesse gordon levitt from the dark knight rises no what oh okay uh so before we before we dive into the reaction um I just want to be be clear this is for and again correct me if I'm wrong this is for the the streaming service that's on the way out right Yeah yeah I forget the name of it Oh is it I thought it was for the TNT series No it, it's going to uh fuck what is it I can't remember the name of the fucking thing but it's it's whatever Warner's new thing is going to be their streaming service Oh all right yeah. Right. So, uh, so now diving into the reaction, uh, the it's a set photo again of these three characters together, and the reaction has been extremely negative. Uh, a lot of a very very harsh criticism. Uh, some people saying that uh, that all three of the characters look like drug addicts. Uh, and I'm and I'm and I'm I'm quoting here from the article from comicbook.com, and these are the real things that people are saying. Uh, that Starfire looks like looking like a '90s prostitute. That's that's the verb. Whoa, that's that's. I, I I spoke to I spoke to an old friend, um, uh, completely unrelated to any of my circles, and she said the literally the same thing. She lives in LA, and she was like, "I've literally seen this person on the street." I, well, for, for 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 me, like the only period of like a uh, uh, a street worker I can think of would be the seventies when it was like the most cliche. What's a nineties prostitute look like? Apparently, Starfire. Star yeah. So you haven't you haven't seen these pictures yet, or <laughs> real quick? So this this show was developed originally for TNT four years ago, uh, but as uh, 
at the current juncture, it is going to be coming out on the unnamed DC Comics digital service. So that was the one. Okay. Now let's let's dive into this. First of all, what do you guys think about these these leaks, these set photos? What's your reaction? Well, I mean, like they're shitty leaks, right? Like they're not in the stuff that's being filmed isn't intended to be viewed this way. So yeah, they look bad. <clears throat> like it's the same same situation with as the uh, the Brie Larson you know, Captain Marvel suit leaks or whatever. Like, yes, it looks bad and she looks chunky because it was an unflattering photo and like this is the exact same. Yeah, I that's that's definitely a huge part of my initial reaction. Like that being said, they don't look great. Like, you know, if we're being honest, like even the Captain Marvel photos, right? Like a lot of it you could explain like, oh yeah, it's like a weird angle, like it's from a diagonal and behind. Whereas, like, some of these are straight-on photos, and it's just, like, the like the makeup doesn't look great. But it's like, you're right. This is... Well, but we're also talking about a, a character whose skin is orange and has glowing eyes and, you know, Beast Boy's fucking green. Right. So that's that's the thing. It's like, you don't know how much of that they're going to get in post. But it's also like, this is not a Marvel movie either. Like, it's a TV show on a unnamed streaming network. So it's like, I don't know what the budget is for post either here. You know? So it's like... You're right, but I also, like, I get the backlash because, like, they do look budget. It reminds me of when we saw the Inhumans costumes, frankly, and we were like, eh, maybe they'll look better on the yeah. screen. It's like, I don't know that they will. <laughs> to to <laughs> beef, go ahead. It, it, it kind of, this is, um, I don't mean this in a negative way, but it definitely will come off in a negative way. It reminds me of Roger Corman's Fantastic Four. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> so, so to be fair, the Inhumans photos were released by uh, by Marvel by ABC. That was planned, and and they looked bad then. Uh, to Kale's point, there may be some there may be some post situation that is going to spruce them up a little bit. But Pete, I think you're right. I think that these photos uh, do not represent this show well at all, and don't represent these costumes well. Don't represent these characters well. Uh, we're all used to set photos, right? Like we've we've all seen these kind of things over however long we've been we've been actively, you know, uh, consuming this kind of media. You always see this stuff, but honestly, for me, they 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 don't typically look this bad. Like I I feel like this is egregious, uh, and and of course I'm willing to wait. I'm not. I mean, what am I going to do? I, I got to wait. Um, but <laughs> but but on the out on, on the outset, they look really bad, and they don't bode well in my mind for the quality we can expect from this show yeah i think specifically the thing that really stuck out to me was uh a friend of mine shared a um a meme that was like what we what we got versus what we wanted and the what we wanted was literally just three cosplayers uh who just look perfect you know and it's like and even the cosplayer who was starfire was a black woman you know, and it was just like, so it's like yeah. literally just like, hey, this is what these people could look like if they had decent costumes, you know, and it's like, it's, and it's just, they don't look like these characters. Like if I just saw the, um, the, the woman who's supposed to be Starfire and it wasn't, oh, these are the Teen Titans cast, I would have no fucking idea that that's who she's supposed yeah. to be, you know? Mm -hmm. And a Diop, by the way. Thank you. 
Um, and it's like with Raven and, and Beast Boy, it's like, oh, blue hair, that must be Raven. Green hair, that must be Beast Boy. But other than that, it's like, what else, what else signifies that they're these characters? And not much. Yeah, when I, when I came across them, I like, I had clicked on it, uh, on the, the Beast Boy and Raven one. But like, I, I didn't know what it was necessarily. And then like, I tapped again and like the comments sort of pop up. I'm like, oh, these are like the set photos. I was like, okay, this is just random pictures on that are coming through my stream. Um, and then I just took a look at the Starfire one because I hadn't seen it before. And yeah, I would have never guessed that would have been Starfire. So uh, obviously this is a, an unfortunate situation. Uh, and Diop has taken to Instagram to... Uh, post about it and uh, share her side of the story. Yesterday, a photo of me on set leaked online. Uh, and it was unfortunate because fans have been waiting months for a photo of Starfire and a sloppy photo of me on a curb in 15 degree weather is what they got instead. For the sake of our incredible fans, I hated that this is the first picture people are seeing. It's out of context and it's a misrepresentation of the incredible character I get to play. And also a misrepresentation of the phenomenal production behind it all. So that's a pretty reasonable, measured response to this whole thing. But there's another layer to the criticism, which relates to the fact that Anna is a black woman playing a character who is, guess what, orange. Uh, so she also dives into that. With that said, the hate speech that followed was deplorable. And though I am highly unbothered, I do want to use this as an opportunity to say that tearing people down is not something that I tolerate for myself or anyone else. Too often, social media is abused by some who find refuge in the anonymity and the detachment it provides, misused as a tool to harass, abuse, and spew hatred at others. This is weak, sad, and a direct reflection of the abuser. Now, she goes on to say more things, more comments in the same vein, uh, but we'll leave it there. Um, I read some commentary that was essentially saying that even though Starfire is orange in the comic books... She has the structure of a white woman and that oh, God. as a result, having a black woman play her is the same as if Black Panther had been played by a white person. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, hey, hey, guys, <laughs> let me let me try and clear something up here for you. Oh, here did we you go. Know, did you know that white people are really the most oppressed minority in america <laughs> conservatives conservative and let me let me tell you another thing there's fluoride in the water and it's turning the frogs gay <laughs> what are you matt murphy yeah alex jones How, wait hold on hold on marco are you are you saying that because you can't tell us apart because we look the same yeah Pretty Marco much. did say that on the on the last episode of the Riverdale Review that all white people look the same. So you know, well, you know what? If especially <laughs> if you look between if you look between Matt Murphy and I, you're not too fucking far off. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, that's a like the most tone deaf statement I've ever heard. Right? Like, and we've talked about this so often. Like, I don't want to belabor this point, but like. We had that whole episode way back in the day where we talked about um, where Kale and I pitched an idea of how you could make Doctor Strange uh, uh, an Asian character, right? Because we made the argument of like, well, his race isn't important to his character, right? That's like obviously two or something. Yeah, yeah, like that's obviously not the fucking case with Black Panther, who is an African king. 
Yes, it would be way different if the African king named Black Panther was a white guy. That would be totally different. And if you don't see the difference between a black woman playing a alien from a fictional race, you're fucking stupid. And that's like, I, and I, there's nothing I can say on this show that's going to change your mind or help you see how fucking tone deaf and ridiculous that statement is. So it's just, that's all I've got. I now crown thee T'Challa Jones. <laughs> what? If he's so played by a white I, guy, he'd be like Jones or Smith. So I hate that Pete had to really dumb it down for like anyone listening, like to that degree. Uh, listening to Pete do that just depressed me. <laughs> well, listen. I am a I'm a purist. We've been over this, right? Like I want to see characters represented on screen the way they are in the comics so i don't want to see a black starfire i don't want to see a white starfire i want to see an orange starfire and you can make anybody living on the planet earth orange if you want to we've got an orange president like it's not that hard <laughs> um, so you know, this is a this is a stupid argument. Yeah, she can be orange. It's likely that in post she will be orange. And if she's not, then that's bad. But it would be bad if she was white. It doesn't matter. To me, what matters is the character. I want to see the character portrayed properly. Will I not watch it because she's black? No. I, I'm not going to watch it at all, probably. <laughs> I knew that but was that, coming. <laughs> that in and of itself wouldn't prevent me from watching it, but it would be a red flag. Because the character's supposed to be orange. That's what I want to see. So to make it race-related... What happened, Pete? I was going to say, but Sean, face structure. <laughs> <laughs> to make it race-related, you know, is is a, is a it, it's so showing. It's so telling, right? Like, we're talking about an orange character. She's a fucking alien. She's an orange alien woman. Like, grow up. They they made Zosadania green. That wasn't a problem. Exactly. Zoe Saldana is 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 not white and she played Gamora and she was green and everybody rejoiced and it was not a problem. Are we sure so that let's relax. didn't have a problem with that? I feel like there well, was probably I, racist dickheads complaining about that too, right? I'm 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 sure it was. What I mean is it it, it looked good. Like it wasn't a problem. Oh, like, I see what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah, like fucking A, man. As long whatever. Fucking A. Just Let's wait and see the first it's, actual picture. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, so moving right along, uh, Catwoman is moving up in the world as Joelle Jones is going to be starting a new monthly series uh, starring Catwoman. So uh, Jones is going to write and draw it. Uh, she's been drawing uh, Batman recently, the... Um, the recent uh, arc, she's been she's been on top of that, and she also is the artist who um, drew cat. I don't know if you guys have seen this, but Catwoman in her wedding dress. Uh, Jones actually designed that wedding dress from scratch and everything, so she's been on top of it. And now she's going to get her own series that debuts on July fourth, which is the same day as the wedding issue between Catwoman oh. and Batwoman. And that I didn't know oh, that. Cool. That's cool. Um. That fucking promotional art that they put out is, like, fucking fire, dude. I am, like, I'm interested in this. Just, like, her art is rad. Yeah, she is a tremendous artist. Uh, and she's been, like I said, she's been doing quite a bit of the art um, uh, for this for this Batman run. 
And I'm excited to see this this uh, this Catwoman series and what she brings to the table. I've never read anything that she wrote, so I don't. Yeah, I, I don't know that she has a a big uh, writing career, like or one as prolific as her her art career. So <clears throat> I think, uh, yeah, this this could be really interesting. And it's always like, yeah. fun to see because it's not a thing you see often. I love getting to see a book that's written and drawn by the same person. Like when it's yeah. done well, like when someone who's like a really supreme talent, because most of the time I think it's better for things to be collaborative, but it is really cool to get to see what someone tell like a totally singular vision and be able to control every element of it in that way, you know? So especially in the big two. Yeah, it's it's a rare thing. So it's definitely something that uh, I'm interested in. You know, there's a lot here that I think is, it looks and, good. And uh, I just wanted to add that the book will be colored by Laura Allred, who is a superstar colorist. Ooh, yes. So that's, that's a dynamic team there. I thought those colors looked familiar, actually. It, it does have a very Allred vibe. That's tight. So. Uh, could be good. Could, could be good, and I will definitely be picking it up. So we'll see. Uh, DC is changing their policy when it comes to variant covers. Uh, So, um, I don't know if we talked about it on the actual show, but there was some news uh, a few weeks back about DC looking to move away from having several variant covers for each issue of their books. Um, uh, Now, they're talking about going in a different direction, which is to have the same... So the main cover, the variant would be the same cover, just stripped down. So without the title on top and kind of just very, very base. I don't know if you guys um, uh, have seen these images, but they released uh, a couple of a couple of um, different issues. So Batman 45 and Nightwing 44, uh, and they've released the stripped down version so that we can see what they mean. And I think this looks absolutely gorgeous. This is actually for me as somebody who you know, knows what I'm going to the shop to pick up. This is how I want my covers to look. Dude, I, I fucking love this idea. I think this is super cool. Um, it's different. And I love the idea. Because, like, you know, I, I think for me, like, variant covers have never been something that's been super interesting to me. Um, like, unless it's a book that's, like, you know, like, I remember, like, when Walking Dead hit 100 issues, like, they put out a bunch of variant covers, and, like, I grabbed some of those because they were cool. You know, like, Ryan Otley did one, and I wanted that. But in general, they're not a thing that's ever really appealed to me in a major way, um, unless they're really special. And I like the idea of finding a way to provide a variant cover that is just the original art, you know? Because more often than not, I'm more attracted to the original cover, especially like, if it's done by the artist who's doing the book. Like, that's the thing I always really like. I, I'm not usually a fan of when they have someone else do the cover. Like, I like there to be that kind of cohesion. Um, but even so, I just the idea of, like, stripping all the text down and really just focusing on the art is something that is, like, really appealing to me. I, I want to I clarify. Um, uh, the So this is interesting. So the cover for Batman uh, 45, the original cover is actually done by... Tony as Daniel, while the variant art is done by Jim Lee, so it might not be across the board. It might it might not be across the board, but in any event, I think your so point stands. It could be a variant cover with different art that just won't have text. That's still cool, but yeah, that's obviously a little different than the thing that I was saying. But 
yeah, that's that's interesting. That's interesting. For me, I think the idea on its face is interesting. I'll be interested to see how they go about it because I think this is a really good gateway to showcase artists that aren't John Romita Jr. and Jim Lee. Uh, like, and I, I said this on Twitter. I I think you know, for me, Jim Lee and John Romita Jr. don't sell me a, a book. That said, that Nightwing covers pretty good uh but you know that that jim lee cover is the same picture of superman and batman that we've seen over 50 books with slight variations on the costume like it's not to me it's not anything special so i'll i'll be interested to see how they incorporate new art and artists into that i yeah so you're saying essentially you'd like to see this Utilized for artists whose name recognition is not necessarily as high as these two. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Uh, so, yeah, I could see that. I mean, Jim Lee and uh, Ramita obviously are superstar artists whose name does hold sway with a lot of people. And uh, I think that this is something that I, I, I don't often do this, but from time to time, I will buy a book just for the cover. And then and I might not even read it. I just like to have it. Uh, these two covers, I'll probably buy. Uh, and I don't read Nightwing. I'll probably buy that. And that's a that's you know three ninety nine or whatever that they were not going to get from me otherwise. Uh, and so to me, on that respect, this is a really smart thing to do. However, I think the point you're making is also a good one, and that yeah, you can absolutely use this to uh, showcase other artists. So, we'll uh, for example, like the the I know Jen Bartel just did uh, a piece uh, for. Uh, the new Teen Titans series for the uh, what is it DC Inc the the young um, the young adult imprint. <clears throat> uh, she just did a, a a piece for that. I I don't know if it was a cover, but this would be a great move for that cover is to feature that piece as a variant like that. Yeah, absolutely. Any other thoughts? Is to appeal to you, to you guys, Marco, Phil? Pretty chill. It's pretty chill. All right, pretty chill. Uh, so what's also chill is that we got more information regarding Diamond and their pull box initiative. Uh, so we've talked about this on the show before. This is Diamond's attempt to kind of sort of get into the modern world with the way that we uh, pre-order comic books. Um, and so initially we didn't know much about how this would work, uh, but now we've learned a bit more information. So here it is. Uh, Pullbox will allow you to manage your pre-orders uh, so you can add titles to your monthly pull and hold list, order additional titles and products from that month's previous pre-order catalog. Uh, you can sync with your participating local comic book shop uh, powered by comicshoplocator.com. Customers can choose a local participating comic shop and sync with them to send their monthly pre-order special orders and more. Uh, you can also place special orders or keep a wish list. Uh, you get enhanced search and ordering. Uh, tr you can track your weekly purchases. Um, there are some retail functions. So retailers will get a full suite of functions available from the Diamond Retailer Service website. Back-end approval of new pullbox customers, alerts to new orders, set ordering dates, and you can upload your ordering requirements and guidelines. 
and then Comic Suite Integration. Seamlessly integrate pullbox, pull list, subscription, and special orders directly into Comic Suite for approval and ordering, manage new pull and hold customers, sync customer data, and individual orders. So that's that's all the information that we have so far and what was available uh, in the demonstration video that was shown at the Diamond Retailer Summit. Um, what do you guys think about this? I think it's help. Uh, I think it's helpful. Um, I was a big fan of the Comicsology Polis, so um, something like to have something replace that, um, especially when uh, I mentioned last week, like we're uh, like my comic. Uh, my local comic shop, they're had, they're sort of struggling to find a system and find like an effective way to make sure they don't their sales aren't impacted too heavily. Um, so I think from both a retailer and like consumer standpoint, it's really beneficial. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I I think if they can pull it off in the time frame that they've allotted, then sure, I, I think it's a great idea. Um, but I expect this to sort of have like you know technical issues and bugs yeah, for the first couple iterations. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I mean, this is something that we need, you know? And so I, I'm i glad it's happening. Hey, listen, it was it was time for it was time for them to move out of the 90s and into the 2000s. Eventually, they'll wind up yeah. in the 2010s. <laughs> yeah. yeah, not even the 2000s, the, the 2010s. <laughs> and they should keep looking forward, maybe jump ahead to the 2030s and they'll be on time. Uh, <laughs> do we know uh, do we know when this is going to come uh, be released for use yes. yet? So beta testing for a certain select group of retailers and their customers is scheduled to begin in May. And then the whole shebang will come out in mid-July. Uh, retailers will actually be able to use Pullbox for free until May oh. 2019. Uh, but after that, the pricing tier will work uh, as follows. So it'll be $25 a month or $250 a year uh, per store location for retailers. Oh, that's good. Uh, and if you if you use Comic Suite, then you will be able to get a reduced pricing of twenty dollars a month or two hundred dollars a year per location. So, hmm. all right. So i I have some thoughts on this. Uh, I think I definitely echo Marco's concerns. Right, like this is obviously a thing we need, and I like the idea. But the fact that like Diamond is the one doing it doesn't instill a lot of confidence in me that it's going to be executed well. And if it's not executed well, and they don't sell store owners on it in that first year no one will use it and then the system will become meaningless and like that's that's my concern for this like do i think it's a good idea absolutely um i just wish like i honestly just wish it was like a third party figuring it out there 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 are solutions third party the only thing is their pricing is really high like uh, i know forbidden planet uses like some kind of uh, they they have some sort of technology that it's not proprietary. It's like through some vendor that they have that they access, and it's I think like a thousand a year or something. Or like it, it's like it's pricier, and comic book shops margins are thin already. Like they need to have a cheap option, and at twenty five a month, like comparatively, that that's cheap and free for the first like year. I I don't know. I feel like people are going to definitely jump on it, and there's going to be usage, but there's going to be trouble with that. Yeah, it's just like a matter of is it actually going to work, you know? And but I, to right, be fair, exactly. right? Like they have a year to work out the kinks before they're asking yeah. anybody to spend money. So that's yeah, that's exactly. Good. You know, like when when Sean first said that they were going to be testing it for like what three months or whatever from May to 
June or did you say July? July. Okay. July. Beta like, testing, yeah. Yeah, that's like I was like, ooh, that is not enough time. But the fact that there's gonna be a year of a more open kind of, you know, not beta, beta. but yeah, like but a PUBG situation. Exactly, right. <laughs> uh moving from like an early access to an open beta kind of thing. And I, I feel like that is actually that emboldens me to think that they might be able to figure it out because a year is a long time. Right. And if they yeah. have a team that's really dedicated to figuring this out, to listening to uh, user feedback and stores pain points and thinking about the technology of it and how they can make it not only work but work efficiently and in a way that's like, you know, got a decent UI and is easy to use, maybe get an app, you know, um, if they can pull those things off, it'll definitely work. And it's just a matter of can Diamond fucking pull it off because up until we read this news story, they were stuck in the 90s, right? So, like, do they have the talent to pull this off? Have they acquired the right talent to pull this off? Those are my questions. Mm-hmm. So, in the way that, like, PUBG was the game of the year in 2017, would this make Diamond the uh, the, the poll no. list? Fuck no. No. All no. Right. Just, yeah, no. So, quick question before we move along. Will any of you use this? I will yes. try it. Yeah. I'm a trade waiter, so I don't really have a reason to. Would you? If you weren't a trade waiter? I mean, that that's asking me if I had, you know, extra money to Listen, blow Kim, on things that, like... <laughs> don't be no, difficult. <laughs> I, I guess... I don't know what it's like to have a, a pull list, so I, I guess. <laughs> okay. Phil, would you use this? Yes. All right. Very good. Like, if this is well executed, I could see this being a thing that I go into every week to look at for my pals pulls for this show. And then I'm just like, oh, bop, 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 bop. Cool. They'll Might wait. as well. <laughs> exactly. Right. That's literally what I, that's how I would do it when with comics to the pull list thing. It would send it sends you an email and then it's like, oh, this is what's coming out next week. Okay, yeah. The sim- so simplicity like, is good. Yeah, if they can if they can make it that easy, if they can make it that simple of a of a of a through line, we'll be in fucking business, man. <laughs> so uh, moving into the Marvel uh, side of things, we know that Avengers: Infinity War is on the horizon. Uh, it's two weeks out. In fact, uh, which uh, is very close. Um, how fucking crazy is that? That snuck up on me, man. I know. And, and they moved it up, too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> according to Fandango, uh, Infinity War is the pre-orders are tracking better than the last seven Marvel movies combined. Oh, Jesus Christ. Right? I know. I saw that shit earlier this week. I was like, holy wow. fucking shit. And you think you think to yourself, okay, so what are, what movies are we talking about? You know? Well, we, we obviously know we're talking about Black Panther. And that alone, That's, the fact that it yeah. beat Whoa. out Black Panther is crazy. But you're also talking about Thor Ragnarok. Oh. You're talking about Spider-Man Homecoming. <laughs> Guardians of the Galaxy 2. Oh. Doctor Strange. Captain America Civil War. And Ant-Man. Ant-Man and fucking Doctor Strange are the only two on that list where having big numbers wouldn't make sense. The fact that it beats out all of those combined, like the fact that it beats out Black Panther is surprising. The fact that it beats Black Panther combined with Civil War and five other movies is like, what the fuck? Are you kidding me? Like, that's an astronomical number, dude. That's crazy. 
there's still two weeks left for pre-orders. Which is like when they'll actually probably kick up is the thing. Is right. most people do that shit in like the week before. You know, it's like only the fucking huge nerds or people who live in like New York City or like other like, you know, LA, like really dense areas. Maybe you already got your tickets because you want to make sure you got them. But otherwise, like it, for me, right, like living in a fucking, you know, in New Jersey, it's like I do that shit the week of. So, Sean, is this is this projecting better than Justice League? No. 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 <laughs> yeah, that makes Can't sense. Can't touch that record. Can't touch that record. <laughs> but wasn't the thing wasn't the thing that Black Panther had 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 the highest record before this too? That it had the most pre-orders? Holy shit. Dude, can you imagine? Can you fucking imagine? I swear to god, Kevin Feige sometimes must just sit back and just be like, mm. Just sitting there, Scrooge McDucking his way through his fucking big pool of gold coins. Just, I'm <laughs> I'm I'm impressed too that audiences weren't deterred by the fact that Marvel had to CGI remove Chris Evans' mustache for this movie. No one <laughs> no, seemed to mind. They added it. They added a CGI beard. That's what they did. Maybe that's the ticket. <laughs> <laughs> that's the maybe that's the thing. The added beard you is add what's the really hair. selling those. Yeah. People they love so they love a good beard. So uh next week uh we're gonna be talking a lot more about Avengers Infinity War uh in preparation for the movie's release, uh which of course we will we will be doing a review for. So uh stay tuned for both of those things. Uh if you want to get caught up on Avengers Infinity War before its release, uh next week this is the place you wanna be. So stay tuned for that. And uh, we're going to be doing our, our book club, too, for Infinity Gauntlet. That's right. Yeah, that's we're out this week, be, right? Yeah. Yep. Our Infinity, Infinity Gauntlet review or book club will be out this Friday, so you guys can stay tuned for that as well. All your Infinity Gauntlet, Infinity War needs right here at the Comics Pals. If you uh, have infinite needs, we have infinite ways to fill them. I like that. That's pretty good. All right. Uh, so... Astonishing X-Men is going to be getting a brand new lineup. Uh, this is a book that uh, Charles Soule has been doing a great job with uh, over the last 12 issues. But starting with issue 13, uh, Matthew Rosenberg, who has recently signed an exclusive contract with Marvel, will be teaming up with Greg Land to bring a brand new story and a brand new team to the table for this uh, for this series. So the team is going to be Colossus, Dazzler, Warpath, Beast, and Havoc, which is a very, very interesting squad. It's a good lineup. At first, I didn't like it. And then the more I looked at the picture, the the, the new cover, and the more I thought about it, I was like, oh, this could be this could be interesting. Yeah. The cover's what made you think about it? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, I like I, – I, I thought about it. I was like, well, I like uh, Havoc. And Beast is one of my favorites. And I like Dazzler. And I haven't seen Dazzler. Dazzler hasn't been on a team of X-Men that I've read ever. So this could be different. This is different. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Yeah, and like Havoc's a Havoc's a really fun. He's he's a cool leader. Uh, of there's been only there's only been like a couple times where he he has led the team, but when he does, he's he's really cool. He's he's very like tactical with them, and I, I don't know. He, he's 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 really awesome. I, I like him as a character. I'm excited for is, it. Is he? Is he your favorite Summers boy? He is actually, yeah. Yeah, me too. I like I like Havoc a lot. <laughs> I won't Wait. say he's my favorite. I'm a, so I'm a Cyclops like fanboy, but I like Havoc. Thank you. So no one, 
No, no one here is a Vulcan guy. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, not at all. <laughs> oh, boy. Um, um, no, I, I like, I like this lineup. I like, I like non-traditional lineups in general. Uh, I do love me some Colossus. I, yeah, I was gonna uh, say I love Colossus too. Uh, I like, I like Hank. I like Dazzler. I I, I think the uh, the cover looks cool too. Uh, Havoc himself as a character presents interesting, uh, like visuals. You know why I mean? why does Greg why is Greg Land's name so familiar? Like where like I've heard of him. You you might have recognized him from uh, tracing over any number of porn women in his art. Oh um, uh, really? That's what he Look at him, about. dude. <laughs> oh, I, I don't. I, I Google him. Are you okay for for what it's worth? My favorite Summers is uh, Scott too. Uh, that's me deflecting that's away the, from that. That's the right answer. Uh, so the comics pals <laughs> officially three out of five of us are fans of uh, Scott. So this is a, a Scott Summers endorsing podcast. So just to point out, okay. Havoc's okay. number two though. That's what we just established. Oh, oh by far. Please. Yeah, Vulcan, by far. Vulcan is like third, but like so far out that no one thinks about him. There's there's not a third place. Vulcan is fourth. <laughs> uh, yeah, actually, that's true because Alex is three for me. Cortair is number two for me. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Leader of the Star Jammers. I was uh, only thinking wait, about wait, the sorry, children, who is number? Who is number three? Uh, Havoc. Uh, who is two then? Corsair, isn't it Corsair? That's Corsair. 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 Oh, Corsair. Corsair. Okay, I I misheard I misheard your order then. Yeah, yeah. I I like Havoc a lot. I you I I may agree with your list though, Phil. I, mm. I do like the Corsair. <laughs> Corsair, mm. but he's a pirate. That's a problem. Yeah. So. Oh, <laughs> does it help that he's a, Does it help that he's a space pirate? It actually doesn't, man. To be honest, <laughs> it makes it worse. It. Yeah. Well, there's no water involved, so then that's a little better. But also, I don't like pirate. Whatever, I'm not gonna get into the whole pirate thing. Uh, Sean has the weirdest, weirdest hangups about pirates. You guys, <laughs> they're just—I don't know. I don't understand the appeal. Um, so Marvel uh, could be bringing the Ultimate Universe back into the fray. Uh, so in Spider-Man Two. We learned, uh, spoilers for something that's been over for a while now, we learned that the Ultimate Universe still exists. Uh, and that's it. They just kind of left it at that and didn't uh, acknowledge it going forward. But at the Next Big Thing C2E2 panel, uh, Tom Brevoort talked a little bit about what they might do with the Ultimate Universe. Uh, so he said the following, We'll be vague and mysterious. There are always plans. Uh, which is vague and mis- a vague and mysterious answer. Uh, so I, I I don't know. This is a weird one. And Pete, I know you you like myself. Uh, kind of jumped back into comics through the Ultimate Universe. We've got a great history with that. Uh, yeah. with that world. Do you want to see it come back? I don't know. You know, like when you said, like I don't know how I feel about it because if it came back and it was good. I can't say that I wouldn't be interested in that, but in the same breath, I feel like I feel like it's time and place has kind of come and gone, you know. And I feel like, you know, especially having Miles in six one six now, 
it's kind of like, why? Like, you know, like I feel like, I feel like that world kind of got off the rails too near the end of it. Like when they did finally wrap things up, like it had gotten a little bloated and messy. And I feel like there had been a lot of like creative shakeups where they kept trying to, oh, this is the new line of the Ultimate Universe. We're, re- we're doing a soft relaunch and here's new creative teams and we're going to breathe new life into these books. And I just, they never quite got back to the heights that they hit at their peak, you know? And I don't, I don't know why now would be different. Let me ask you this then. Uh, so Ultimate Spider-Man number one, you know, was released 99, 2001? I think it was 2001, yeah. So we would have to assume, right? So this this isn't going to release tomorrow. We would have to assume it would come out probably 2019, 2020. Is there, is there a place for the Ultimate Universe in, you know, uh, 20 years after the inception of the original Ultimate Universe for the same reason? Like, could they, could they reboot the, well, uh, let me, let me rephrase that part. Could they, could they, uh, you know, release a, a, a refresh of the Ultimate Universe for younger and, and newer readers 20 years later? I think that, I think there's a place for that. And I think Pete's original thought was if it's good. And that's true of pretty much anything in the world. If they were to revamp the Ultimate Universe and it had the same impact with a writer like Noir or whomever, or Bendis, obviously, uh, but in the context of 2019, 2020, 2021, there's no reason why a younger audience couldn't be, uh, wouldn't be drawn in by that. It, it depends on the talent and it depends on the oomph. Yeah, I just think that isn't what we're talking about, though. We're not talking about a new Ultimate Universe. We're talking about bringing back the old Ultimate Universe, and that is kind of, like, what I'm... That's kind of the issue I I guess I'm trying to express here, is that, like, by the end of the Ultimate Universe, it wasn't what was good about the Ultimate Universe in the beginning. You know, like, what was good about it when it started was that it was... Uh, modernization of some of these characters' backstories. It was a fresh jumping on point for new readers. Uh, it was something good that was nostalgic for old readers. You know, like it, it was the right thing at the right time. And I think doing that again now to answer your question, Kale, yeah, I actually think that would probably work really well, but that wouldn't be bringing back the ultimate universe. You know, like bringing back the ultimate universe would mean coming back to the ultimate universe as we left it. And, that's, that's a fire man. yeah and that's the thing man is like by the end of it the ultimate universe's thing was that it was gritty not that it was what it started out as like ultimate spider-man was never a like gritty book you know until ultimatum you know and then and and from then on like you know there was cannibalism you know and like that happened with the hulk a little bit in the og ultimates but then it became a common thing where like he was regularly fucking eating people you know there was like rape and murder and and you know and and these very like mark millar themes and there was incest incest there was like and that's that's what the ultimate universe became and 
sometimes that was still good. Like, I'm not shitting on it. Like, I liked Ultimate Spider-Man, um, you know, up until the death of, of Peter Parker and even the early Miles Morales stuff. Like, I enjoyed it. It just wasn't enough to keep me coming back. And, like, the post-Ultimatum Ultimate X-Men stuff was cool. Like, there was good shit going on there, but it wasn't the initial pitch of, of the Ultimate Universe. And I don't know what bringing it back accomplishes right now. So, I, I want to add to that. Uh, the problem isn't whether or not the Ultimate Universe could connect. The problem is that it will, and this is this is just the way it works. It will always go back to. It will always get to the point where it becomes redundant because it's going to have its own lore. It's going to have its own continuity. It's gonna have all those things that make it not different from the Marvel Universe. If you if you like. If you were reading the ultimate line of comics when it first started, and then you look at it like six years later, it's a different. It's not. It's not the same. Why? Because it had to grow in order well, to keep publishing for 10 books. Years too, right? I mean, right. In order to keep publishing books, they had to. They had to continue with the story. And at that point, why aren't you just reading the regular Marvel books? The only reason is because you prefer the ultimate continuity. But now you have people forced to choose instead of them getting just a linear streamlined version of the characters that they love with updated backstories which was the original pitch you can never keep to that and that's the problem that we've talked about several times on this show which is how do you present audiences with something that has no continuity whatsoever but is still good and enough to keep you coming back that's a big problem and i don't think that the ultimate universe solves that especially when we live in a world in in marvel comic books where they reboot their lines every two years and that's just how they do things why do you need the ultimate universe then well that's yeah i agree it's like oh i'm sorry go ahead marco uh, no i i i definitely agree like i i think that if you're just if you're going to set up another like a separate line that is just built on more history and like more context that is needed like for for me that's not appealing for something like a brand new like what phil was talking about like a brand new refresh like that is something that can draw me in because it's like it's brand new i don't need all that history i don't need all that that context to not necessarily to enjoy it but to like to enhance and to sort of get that same perception that you guys have of it um because you guys read it while it was coming out you know essentially if if it came from like that that approach i think it'd be better for readers who have relapsed because like sure it'll be like another another refresh marvel does it all the time but if they if they can stick to this one and try to make it what it once was for another generation that didn't have that i think that'd be beneficial to it and its success well put yeah i I think it is um but that's the thing right is i think like bringing back the Ultimates, it, like, I, we're talking about two different things now. Because, like, bringing back the Ultimate Universe wouldn't exist to bring in new readers or to have a continuity light Marvel, because that's not what it is anymore. I think bringing back the But Ultimate I'm not saying now, the same. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying bring it back. I'm saying no, to do it. No, I know, I know you're that. not. I'm saying that if they did that, like, that's not wouldn't be the reason to do it. I think, like, I agree with you that Marvel probably needs something like the Ultimates was, or the Ultimate Universe was when it first launched in terms of having that, you know, newer continuity light thing for people to jump into. But I think bringing back the Ultimates 
uh, does serve a purpose in that it allows you to tell stories with these characters in different ways. You know, because like to your point, Sean, like why are you reading Ultimates instead of 616 is because I didn't like what 616 was doing at the point when I was actively reading the Ultimate Universe. And I did like that, you know, and like granted, I was also like, you know, at the height of the Ultimate Universe when I was like deeply engaged in it and going to the shop every week to pick it up. Like I was a kind of edgy 16 year old who liked punk rock and you know like i liked that it was dark and gritty and that it was violent and you know like i liked that it was a mark millar book really and i think there's there is value in telling stories like that and i don't think marvel has a place for that anymore like they used to have like the max imprint where they would do the more r-rated stuff ultimates was the place to do that kind of book uh and now there isn't really an avenue for that and I, I feel like there is value in bringing back the Ultimate Universe in maybe a small way. Like maybe we don't need five or six Ultimate Universe books. Maybe like two or three would work. But but again, though, the the point you're making about what it provided for you at a specific time, uh, the fact that it was it was it was you didn't like the continuity of the mainline Marvel books. Five years after the origins of the Ultimate Universe. Seven years after, ten years after, it 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 runs the risk and what eventually happened of not being the thing that it started as being. Because the right the creative teams changed. Like Bendis was the only writer who was there from the beginning to the end. The Mark ethos Millar stayed left. the same though. You know, like the but, approach yeah. to how they told stories was still different than what was going on in six one six, because it was less precious. It was know? different, but 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 that doesn't mean it was good. And it all comes back down to good. And the reason why Ultimates was good is not because it was continuity free. Because you could make anything continuity free and it could suck. The reason it was good is because of the creative teams. They were able to take that idea, that kernel of an idea, and make it something really special. But once you lose those creators, it loses its, it loses its, 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 its inherent value. Because you look like if Ultimatum had been written by Mark Millar, it wouldn't have been what it was. But it was written the, by Jeff Loeb. The the, the 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 reality is that's true of any comic. Uh, once exactly. the di- once a dynamite creative team is gone, um, that book is going to dip regardless. Unless unless it's like a Batman situation where Morrison leaves and Snyder comes in. Like in general, that's not how things go. Um, the thing about the Ultimate Universe at the end of the day is that it, it was a branding thing. It was, it appealed to young readers and it's almost inconsequential that five years in, it didn't know, it no longer resembled what it was, which I imagine a big Ultimate fan would disagree with because that's something that they're probably very, um, sensitive about, but, the, well, the, I'm, the 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 I'm the, a big the ultimate fan. Uh, the, the 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 goal was achieved, which was a, appealing to young new readers who eventually, presumably, started reading the mainline continuity books anyway. Like Pete, yeah, that's that's sort of uh, <clears throat> coming out of all this. That's sort of my argument as well. Like once you get a young reader that taste. And get them sort of familiar with the way comics work. Then, I mean, similar to to you and I, Pete, like you just kind of figure it out, you know. So, I 
it's it's less uh, for me it's it's a chance to you know not necessarily jump back into the the jumbled continuity of of the ultimate universe and more a chance to get new younger readers in to help them figure it out it's comics 101 just like you know like we were talking about with bendis he does great comics 101 and that's why it worked yeah, and that's that was why Ultimate Spider-Man worked anyway. But that I guess that's my point, right? Is like the reason the Ultimate Universe was working for me past that initial, hey, this is a, a easy continuity light way to jump into Marvel comics that have all this history was that the stories they were telling in the Ultimate Universe were different, you know, because like they weren't concerned with returning to the status quo. That's not what the Ultimate Universe was ever about. It was always about moving forward. Um, when people died, they stay dead, you know, like Wolverine dies and we don't get old man Logan or Logan back from the dead. His son becomes Wolverine, you know, and it's like Peter dies and Miles takes up the mantle like that, um, ability to tell stories about these characters in different ways and make decisions that stick, uh, was something that was different and that I liked about the, the ultimate universe. And I think there is a value to, uh, bringing it back if, to Sean's point, they have creative teams that have a vision for a story to tell in that universe, you know, and I, I, I do I do think they could pull that off. So you're saying that they need vision. So you're saying Wilson Fisk should write the new okay. Ultimate books. So I want to I want to add a little more to this conversation. And to be honest with you, I didn't realize that we were going to have so much to say about this. But um, uh, Mark Millar uh was recently discussing the Ultimate Universe with um, with Entertainment Weekly, and what he had to say was actually very fascinating, uh, and we'll definitely add to this this talk. So he said, "Brian and I pretty much ran the Ultimate line ourselves. Uh, he did Spider Man and, Fa- and Fantastic Four. I did X Men and Ultimates. It's funny to look back now, but I had been begging them to relaunch the Avengers. Marvel had no interest in bringing the Avengers into the Ultimate line." They said those characters are dead and no studio was interested in them. I was always a really big Avengers fan. I got some credibility from doing Ultimate X-Men. That was the number one book when it launched. So they said, would you want to do Ultimate Wolverine? I said, no, no, I'd love to do Avengers. They won't even let me call it Avengers because they thought Avengers was such a dead franchise that I had to call it Ultimates instead. That's so fucking funny, dude. Hindsight. Wait, man. so uh, oh, wait, Ultimates is the is Avengers? Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah, oh. basically. There's one more line that I want to add before we dive into this conversation. It's crazy to think now that Avengers was such a diminished name in the industry and Marvel had no faith in it at all. But what was great was they let me do whatever I wanted because they expected nothing from it. So the the thing about this is Kurt Busiek uh, who was the writer of Avengers at the time went to Twitter after after these comments were made, and he was like, "That's not how I remember I, it." I have the comments. I, I was gonna I was Please. gonna leave some space before we dove into that, but we'll go into it. Okay. So Kurt says, "Lovely to see my Avengers run still getting crapped on at this late date. It was one of Marvel's top books at the time, so Mark is perhaps misinformed. We never get to see the whole story at once, but from my end, I told Tom Brevoort that if they did Ultimate Avengers, I'd seriously consider leaving Avengers, and he told me a few days later that they wouldn't do that, so I stuck around and did the Kang Dynasty." 
So maybe my request had some weight and they just told Millar's story, or it may have been a complete coincidence. It's true that the Gemis era PTB weren't fond of our approach, uh, but we were still one of the top books at the company and outselling cool titles like Daredevil. But my reasoning was that if they did Ultimate Avengers, they'd invariably promote it as the cool new thing, an improvement on what that old uncool existing book, and I didn't want to be working on a book that the publisher was dissing. With Ultimate X-Men, they launched it, it was promoted as the cool thing, then afterward Grant took over the mainline X-Men and it got to be new and fresh. On Spider-Man, I think it was similar. So when they did Ultimates, which was Ultimate Avengers in all but name, I knew it was time to take a bow and leave so that the next creative team could be new and fresh rather than hanging around and getting labeled old and fusty. But my end of the story is that they didn't call the book Ultimate Avengers because I asked them not to, not because Avengers was a dead franchise. Marvel back then wished most of their books were selling as well as we were. And I think our runs clearly been valued over time in terms of all the nice reprints and such. Ultimates did very well too. Nobody needs to shit on one book to promote the other. And then uh, he does respond to one commenter who essentially says that Mark Millar wasn't knocking Kurt. And Kurt says, at the time the decision to do Ultimates happened, Avengers was selling better than anything not named X-Men or Wolverine. Mark is talking bullshit and absolutely knocking us. He says he was amazed Marvel had let the book sink so low. He's just plain wrong. This is such a Mark Millar thing. Like... <laughs> He always, he always invariably butts heads with people in this industry, because <laughs> he's such a he's like a he's a carny wrestler type guy. He he's a big self promoter at the expense of anyone else. He puts his foot in his mouth a lot. <laughs> he sure does. So I do wonder if if what Malar says is true, or if it's a version of the truth. Yes. If there is some like if they were looking at like you know when they were talking about studios aren't interested in the Avengers. I wonder if they were specifically talking about movie rights. Right? Well, like to use the word studios. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Well, and it's like it's an because, interesting Oh, I'm sorry, go ahead, Gail. Well, at that point, they would have been a dead a dead franchise in, in you know, in terms of studios and movies. Because at that point it was it was only Spider Man and the X Men. Yeah, and when you consider the fact that like when they did finally bring the Avengers to the big screen, it was heavily influenced by the Ultimates. Maybe that maybe it, there it is de- some truth to that. It, it certainly seemed like the Ultimate Universe was devised as a means of of comics to film. You know what I mean? And, and then on top of that, Mark is obviously right. Like no disrespect to Kurt, but Mark is obviously right. It the the line didn't launch with the Ultimates. He, he, he even says it. He got clout after doing Ultimate X-Men because it was successful. Then they let him do the Ultimates, and it wasn't even called the Avengers. There's there's a reason for that. You know, like, why, why, would it, why wouldn't they have started with the Avengers if they thought that it was bankable at the time? They didn't because they didn't think it was bankable. I just, I, don't, I can't see it any other way. They started with the X-Men. They started with the Fantastic Four. Why not the, the Avengers? But the Avengers was the number five book at Marvel, right? But at the time, but Mark is saying that studio wise, they didn't see that bankability that it was a dead franchise sure. in that respect. And at the time, Spider Man, Fantastic Four, and the X Men were all films being produced by 20th Century Fox, yeah. who Marvel and had Sony. a stronger relationship with at the time, and and Sony, right? 
Yeah, no, um, that's that's a that's a really good point because I was actually going to say it's kind of weird that when you think about Fantastic Four being in that mix, but they did have a film franchise at the time, and that I feel like we um, those movies were not looked upon as harshly when they first came out. You know, like I think the annals of time have treated them a lot worse because I remember like the first Fantastic Four movie was like it was panned, but it like it was also like a pretty big thing in the media at the time. Like I remember commercials for toys on Nickelodeon. I remember seeing the Slurpee cups and like it was an event, you know. Uh, well, it was. Back it, then, it was pers- I was just gonna say back then those movies releases in general were considered events yeah, because there exactly. was so few and far between. But the movie itself was definitely not. It, de- it definitely yeah. wasn't received yeah. well. Yeah, there was a marketing machine behind the release of the Fantastic Four movie because it was seen as a major blockbuster, but it doesn't change the fact that it was a critical and uh, financial uh, uh, flop relative to expectations, obviously. Um, I do want to make the point that uh, the viability, the perceived viability of the Avengers versus the Fantastic Four nearly 20 years ago uh, only reinforces the point that characters and franchises are not inherently good or bad as an ip it all depends on the the creative force behind it and the and the, and the actual marketing force behind it a lot of people say like fantastic four can't work now as a book when it most certainly can and has in the past and avengers 20 years ago Avengers 20 years ago were perceived by studios as like no marketing viability when it's the biggest thing in uh superheroes in the world right now maybe next to batman maybe so yeah i would say for younger generations it is definitely the mcu characters the avengers are the big names like batman was that for our generation because of 89 batman but kids who are growing up now like avengers is that movie you know very a very interesting uh discussion and um I'm I'm very curious to see how they handle the ultimate situation going forward, and if they even decide to use it at all. But uh, knowing Marvel, if they put it in the book, it'll probably resurface in some way at some point. Yeah, it's like why would you even do that if you weren't gonna, you know, like why even tell us that it's still out there if they weren't if they didn't have some intention of going back to it. And then yeah, and then to bring it up at a panel, like sure, it, it was it was a question he was asked just just oh, for clarification. Okay. He was okay. he was asked a question. That's different. But, yeah, I don't know. We'll see on this one. So, uh, that was a, a big discussion, a really good discussion about the Ultimates. Uh, now we have to talk about something that is a lot less exciting and cool uh, than that. Uh, Stanley is, you know, I mean, I know there's a lot of contention about this, but most people see him as the granddaddy of comic books. Um, that's that's how the public views him. He is the most celebrated figure in all of comics and he's in his twilight years he is 95 years old and none of us can tell how much longer we'll have with the man um and uh unfortunately it looks as though uh his final years uh, are not going so great in respect to the fact that uh it looks like he's being manipulated uh this week a ton of news and rumors and speculation have come out about stan uh, regarding not only his health, um, but accusations against uh, his daughter, J.C. Lee, um, accusations of manipulation by uh, his friend, Kia Morgan, 
and a ton more um, to the point where it's dizzying to even try to keep up with all this stuff. So in the midst of that, Stan has come out in defense of his daughter and Kia Morgan, uh, threatening lawsuits against the writers of several articles alleging that Stan is surrounded by a circle of vultures looking to bleed him dry in his final years. So what I want to talk about here is this issue of, you know, trying to find the reality in all of this because there's so much going on and answer the question, you know, does Stanley need a hero right now? Uh, the Hollywood Reporter article that kind of is where Stan was, was targeting his ire, um, in the, in the video where he is coming to defense of his friends and his daughter. Uh, the article is titled Stanley needs a hero. Uh, and so we're asking the question, does he really need a hero? Because, Stan himself is saying that that's not the case, that the allegations are untrue. And so what I'm going to do is as in as brief a period as I can, is try to give you guys the bones of this whole deal so we can have a, a conversation about this horrible situation. So in the Hollywood Reporter article, uh, they bring up a, a, a document, a, a February 13th document that they obtained. Um, that explains that Lee and his late wife uh, created a trust for their daughter, J.C. Lee, uh, because she had trouble supporting herself. And so this is a quote from the, from the uh, document. It is not uncommon for J.C. to charge in any given month twenty to $40,000 on credit cards, sometimes more. Holy shit. Uh, it goes on to talk about how when... He and his daughter, he being Stan, disagree, which is often. She typically yells and screams at me and cries hysterically if I do not capitulate. Uh, she will, from time to time, demand changes to her trust, including the transfer of properties into her name. Uh, Stan has resisted such changes, he states, because they would greatly increase the likelihood of her greatest fear, that after my death, she will become homeless and destitute. Uh... So the the document goes on to say that three men with bad intentions, Gerardo Olivieres, Kia Morgan, and his daughter's attorney, Kirk Schneck, had improperly influenced his daughter, a woman with, quote, very few adult friends. The document claims the trio has insinuated themselves into relationships with JC for an ulterior motive and purpose to take advantage of Lee and gain control over my assets, property, and money. Now, this document is a document that he has signed. We don't know if he wrote it with his own hands. We know that Lee has had some trouble uh, with writing and reading over the last few years, given his age. Um, but it's his words. So in the document, he is implicating these people as being people who are against him. Uh, now, his lawyer, Tom Lallis, uh sat in the office with Lee and they worked on this together and they signed it. His lawyer um, is now out of the picture. So this is now from the Hollywood Reporter article. A few days after the declaration was notarized, Lee changed his mind or someone did. Whatever happened, Lalis was soon, Lalis is the, is the uh, attorney. Lalis was soon out as Lee's attorney in a confrontation that grew tense enough that the LAPD was called to the legend's home in, in Hollywood Hills. 
Morgan and JC began consolidating their power over Lee. Mike Kelly, Lee's assistant for nearly a quarter century, who used to come by the house most days for one-on-one meetings, was limited to weekly pre-approved supervised visits. A new accountant was hired, uh, a friend of, of Kia Morgan. The housekeeper and gardener, who had been with Lee for decades, were sent packing, and a revolving door of lawyers were retained over six weeks until a pair introduced Lee to his current counsel, Jonathan Front. Lee's phone number has been changed, and his emails are being monitored and composed by Morgan. And, and, and the reasoning for this offered by Kia Morgan is that Stan Lee has macular degeneration and his eyes cannot see small letters. I have been taking him to the eye doctor and reading his emails for him for many years. This is his request, and he thanks me for helping him. Now, this article goes on uh, a lot longer, but there's another key point. There is a video that was released by Stan Lee, and in the video, Stan is very angry and animated, and he is attacking the writers of these articles who have come out and said that there's a problem in Stan Lee's life, Uh, and he said the following, my relationship with my daughter has never been better, and my friend Kia Morgan and I also have a great relationship. Anybody who is saying anything else is just spreading lies. Now, the video in the in the bottom right corner has, is, is copyrighted Kia Morgan, which tells me that he oversaw the whole production of the video, and that in the process of it being disseminated, because it was it was shot, it was taken right to TMZ. In the process of it being disseminated, he wants credit for this. If they want to use the video, he wants credit. Uh Stan Lee goes even further um, and says, now, uh, you people have been publishing the most hateful, harmful material about me and my friend Kia and some others. Material which is totally incorrect, totally based on slander, totally the type of thing that I'm going to sue your ass off when I get a chance. Well, I want you to know I'm going to spend every penny I have to put a stop to this and make you sorry that you've suddenly gone on a one-man campaign against somebody with no proof, no evidence, no anything, but you've decided that people are mistreating me and therefore you're going to publish those articles. Okay, now, I want to give you guys a chance to speak on what we've heard so far, but I want to add the context or, or, or illuminate that this video comes not terribly long after not only the death of his wife, but the consolidation of power between J.C. Lee, his daughter, and Kia Morgan. And now Stan is singing a different tune than the one that he sang in the document where he lambasted the very same people that he now made a video to defend. So now I'll open the floor. <clears throat> didn't, didn't a few weeks ago, weren't there reports that he had dementia and Alzheimer's? Those reports... Those reports are things that I've been seeing as far back as when we heard when we did our previous episode about Stan, where we talked about the the allegations surrounding sexual abuse that was going on in the home. It, even still, I I mean I think that you know that lends to to this conversation. Um, I as far as the the copyrighted video, I think it, and I'm sure people at TMZ, if they would. Uh, you know, could could see if it was edited. If if it is the way it sounds, it sounds like the kind of thing that could, you know, he just crank out 
you know, as he's making something up, uh, you know, for Stan to be mad about and then edit around it. <clears throat> um, but also, like, you know, Stan's attitude about suing the, the pants off of people, that's, that's, you know, uh, the Stan we were, you know, uh, that I know I've brought up who, you know, has taken the credit for, you know, all of the Marvel creations. That's, you know, I think, you know, that that's that unadulterated, just vindictive side of him that, you know, now we're not even seeing um, with the with the the veneer of uh, um, uh, good PR. As far as far as the rest of it, you know, I'm not there. I... That that's that's kind of where I'm at, man. It's just like this is uh, this is so TMZ all around, you know. And it's just what 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 is the truth and what is what is the lie? What what are the lies and what is the truth? This is this is a classic kind of struggle over someone's estate it sounds like but man I, d I don't know i'm not there i'm not in the personal rooms where this is happening uh, like the last time we talked about this it does sound like stan is suffering from some kind of dementia and to kale's point there is obviously a history of stanley having a vindictive side but man i don't know this this sounds like tabloid journalism and i don't even know how to really approach something like this from a, a an impartial stance. I think the the problem I'm having with like figuring out how I feel about it is because a lot of the um, like all the evidence comes from this one main place, right? Like the Hollywood Reporter article is where this all kind of started, right? And that's why Stan is singling them out. So. You know, the Hollywood Reporter is not a, a tabloid, you know, like I like they definitely break a lot of stories and um, they have connections in the industry and, and to people of Stan's uh, stature. So and I'm not uh, claiming that, um, you know, that that means that their report is true, but. It's uh it doesn't mean it's not that's doesn't mean it's false either. Right, exactly. If it was coming from someone else, I would think differently about it. Like I don't remember what the story was, but I don't I, I was the Stan Lee one actually where it came from the Daily Mail and I was very critical of it because Yeah, that's right. cuz the Daily Mail is a tabloid rag and the Hollywood Reporter is not. Um and we speculated about the the fact that Stan Lee could be taken and being taken advantage of and being abused in that episode. Uh, so to hear this doesn't surprise me, and the Hollywood Reporter's narrative, uh, if true, uh, seems plausible. I mean, Stan's very old, and it's clear that his health and his mental state have been in the decline over the last several years, in the last year or so, specifically. Um, but I, I think it is suspect uh, to see the firing of employees that he's had for decades right or or the limiting some, of his what that's some downton abbey shit oh you get rid of the gardener you get rid of the butler you get rid of his lawyers you get rid of and that's that's what i'm saying though right it's like those are all people who've been working with stan for years who know him 
who have had conversations with him when he was lucid, probably have a good idea of what he actually wanted and had his best interest at heart. And those people are all gone. And if that's true, like if we're assuming that the facts presented by the Hollywood Reporter are true, or at least are somewhat true, those are suspect things. And the increased control being exhibited by this man is suspect. And it, but it, it's hard to argue then where it's like, well, we have this video of Stan saying these things, but it's right. But it's like, does he know what he's, you know, it's like, how, how, how there is he at this point? You know, like I, all I know is like when my fucking, you know, um, my limited experience with, with dementia and Alzheimer's, you know, I heard, my grandparents say things that were completely fabricated, you know, on multiple yes. occasions. Yes. Uh, so can we trust that? So allow me to add more context. You brought up the, the firing of people who were involved in Stan's life, right? So now uh, another element to this is that Stan Lee is suing his ex-business manager, a name I mentioned before, Gerardo Olivieres. Um, uh, and Stan's lawyer, Jonathan Frund, the new lawyer, uh, filed the legal documents saying that Gerardo set him up, set Stan up in disastrous business deals, but, uh, allegedly also bought an $850,000 condo without Stan's permission and may also have forged a $300 check. Now. In addition to that, they're also claiming that Oliveres, this is horrible, had a nurse inject Stan Lee with a syringe and extract his blood to sell it in Vegas as a collectible. And allegedly, Stan's blood uh, somehow was used to sign copies of Black Panther books and sell them. And the books were going for $500 a piece. And of course, with all this, you know, surrounding it, they'll probably go up in price. Um, they were taken down once this whole story broke, but this is what's happening. I forgot about um, that. And allegedly, Kia Morgan is the person who discovered this. Uh, so... And honestly, it gets weirder than that because there's allegations that Stanley's daughter is has been uh, physically and verbally abusing Lee. Now, I already talked about a little bit about how she's bratty or allegedly bratty. That's what the document said that she, you know, cries and screams when she doesn't get away. Now, it goes even deeper because uh, allegedly. She abused Lee and Joan when Joan was still alive. Joan was Stan's wife. Um, and, and I'm going to just read from this article. This is from CBR. <clears throat> um, uh, basically, just to give you the context before I start reading quotes, uh, they uh, Stan had bought a new Jaguar car. And J.C. Lee went to the home and saw it in the driveway and thought it was for her. Lee said it wasn't. And um, she threw a fit. Uh, in the article, it says JC allegedly responded by grabbing her mother's arm and throwing her against the window, with Joan then falling to the floor. Now, we're talking about a 92-year-old person. Stan 
then reportedly shouted at his daughter, I'm going to stick you in a little apartment and take away all your credit cards. I've had it, you ungrateful bitch. I don't know where they're getting these quotes from, but that's what allegedly was said. Um, and then uh, she then grabbed JC, uh, JC then grabbed her father's head and smashed it into a wooden back of a chair he was sitting on. Uh, and in fact, uh, THR says that it has photos detailing Joan Lee's injuries. And if I recall correctly, when we last had that conversation on an episode many moons ago, we talked about her having bruises. We talked about her being injured. So this could be that. Isn't 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 JC Lee like in her fifties too? She's sixty seven years old. Oh my Jeez. god! <laughs> That's what I'm saying, man. Is like. There are things in this narrative that line up with what we thought previously, you know, and, and that, like, again, like, I don't, I don't know what to make of it, right? Because it's like, who knows, right? Like, now there's like, when you, when you look at the, uh, the allegations against his business, former business partner as well, right? It's like, was this another person fucking him over? Are they trying to categorize him that way now with, you know, now that they, you know what I mean? Like, who even knows, you know, like, was this also someone who was taking advantage of him or, or is that totally fabricated, you know? Or, and, and like knowing where his health is at, like, who knows, man, you know, like it, it would probably be pretty easy to do so. Right. I mean, I want to uh, add the last bit of, of context, um, that Stan appeared recently at a at a comic book convention, uh, the Silicon Valley Comic Con, and uh, I don't know if you guys have had the opportunity to see the videos, but they're they're very sad. Uh, so what's being said, and this is this is coming from an article from Bleeding Cool. What's being said is that uh, Stan was, and you can see it for yourself in the video. It's plainly obvious. He's sitting down. He looks very tired. Mind you, he just battled pneumonia and survived a few weeks back. Um, but he looks very tired, very weak. And you can hear somebody, and it's the voice of Kia Morgan, saying Stan Lee. And then spelling it out, S-T-A-N-L-E-E. -E, because Stan does not know how to sign his name. And the line, they said in the article that the line was very, very, very long, that Stan was was signing there for hours with minimal breaks in between, that his handlers got visu visibly annoyed when Stan would fall asleep and say, I need a break, uh, and that they never really gave him the proper time. We're talking about a 95-year-old person, uh, and that they never really gave him the proper time to kind of chill out. And that they kept accepting people into the line. Now, I want to make it very clear. Silicon Valley Comic Con is not... They don't set the rules and the line and everything else. It's the it's the individual who sets the parameters. So, his handlers just let him sit there for hours and hours and hours signing. And you can see it. If you watch it, it's horrifying to watch this man clearly does not know how to even sign his name and they're standing there and watching this happen and letting it happen i i had a uh a friend who uh, from from uh my old radio show days in scotland who um he came to i think it was his last appearance at nycc a couple of years ago and got a picture with with stan and he man he just 
looked, even then, looked like you could just fold him in half like a piece of paper. Like, you know, his legs were just like, I mean, it was it was as flat as, you know, your hand on top of the other hand. Yeah, man. I mean, that's, you know, he's he's an old, old man, you know? And, like, it's amazing that he was as with it as he was for as long as he was, you know? But, like, this catches up with everybody, you know? And we're at that point, and... You know, I had like it. Uh, I don't know, man. Like where there's smoke, there's fire. You know what I'm saying? There certainly is a lot to the story. Like, like it, it there's really a lot. Seems, there's a lot of smoke. It really seems like there's something not right. There's no way there's not. Who's gonna sit around making up all this crap, right? And and obviously, a document was notarized that that calls out these people who are now the very same people who are surrounding Lee. And you can't listen if any one of us. Had our, I don't want to, I don't want to disparage JC, okay? But if, like, okay, my grandmother just passed. If my grandmother or if my mother or somebody who was that old that was related to me, I, I would be overwhelmed with concern about their well-being in any environment. Let alone an environment where they just had pneumonia, they're they're being exposed to thousands of people all at once who want this individual's attention. You know they're going to be tired. You know they're going to be exhausted. I would say let's limit this to X amount of fans and let's give him breaks in between every X amount of fans. But when you've got a guy, 95 years old, sitting there from, from start of day till end of day to the point where the line was so long that they had to turn people away, what are we doing? Where is the care? That, I, I, yeah, I don't want to say that she's you know the villain in this story because she, she said to Bleeding Cool that, they, that, they, uh, that the Silicon Valley Comic Con sat her away from where Stan was at and that she was very concerned and all of this. All I'm saying is if that was my, if that was my mother – or my aunt or my grandmother, I there's you wouldn't stop me from being there. There's no way. I I I I got curious and I looked up uh, how prevalent and rampant elderly abuse in the United States is because um, I know it's a problem. And according to the <laughs> oh, national, yeah. So according to the National Center of uh, Elderly Abuse, the from the ACL. Uh, a comprehensive review article found that the prevalence of elder abuse to be approximately 10%, including physical, in the country. In New York alone, 1 in 13 older adults in the state of New York reported to be victims of some form of elderly abuse within the last year. When, when, when we talk about the idea that a wealthy, wealthy man who lives in, I think, New York being abused by people who have capital to gain... It really doesn't sound far-fetched because of how prevalent it is. Yeah, and then when you – it's magnified because Stanley is rich. It's alleged exactly. that he has about $50 million uh, in the bank, which is a, a boatload of money. And it's very easy to look at this story. And I got to say, this Hollywood Reporter story is very – it's very damning. Um, it's very easy to look at this and think, okay, there are people around him right now who want to make every last dollar that they can off him. Before there are no lo- no dollars left to be made. Yeah, when there's no more no more coins to drain. I don't, I don't even go ahead, Marco. No, just like with that, like, e- e- even though um, 
wherever you sort of sit on this um fans and the the outreach has been uh phenomenal like uh, i know i went on twitter there there are people all over who are crying for support for stan so i think the the best thing that we we can do is to to show our appreciation and to um again just getting this out there is something that people can use and be like hey you know something's going on there we should check it out so yeah that's it i think the hashtag is stand by stand that, that people yeah are using. something like that uh kevin smith came out and offered uh for stand to come stay with him which is amazing um people have offered to buy him a home people are calling for marvel calling on marvel to mm-hmm. send in some good people to take care of stan and figure this whole thing out uh but it's very difficult because uh that's not necessarily marvel's responsibility to do but beyond that how do you just insinuate yourself on someone's life when he's clearly in a video saying that everything's fine you know that's very hard to do yeah it's hard to prove that he's being taken advantage of and that he's not mentally fit to take care of himself, you know, like when we're on the outside and that the people that are closest to him, his family are the ones who may be taking advantage of him, you know, and like there's no one else like and again, right? Like that's the thing that is so concerning to me is like, you know, who's somebody who probably would be an advocate for him His assistant of the last, you know, however many years or whatever. Right. Or like the people that have worked with him and know him. Right. And they're all gone. And there's nobody close to him that isn't one of these people that's suspect right now. And, like, that itself is a red flag. So you're 1,000% you're right. Listen, I, I cannot remember hearing things of this nature about Stanley's life when Oliverez and Joan were still there. Oliverez is his, it was his caregiver for many years, and obviously Joan, his wife. When they were still in the picture, we never heard anything like this. Now things are getting out of hand, and we're hearing all kinds of madness. And I feel like... There's a power play at work and that maybe Stanley is is now in the hands of people who, who only want to use him for money. Uh, and I don't know, uh, to, to kind of round this discussion off, I think it's also <clears throat> it's 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 worth noting that Stanley isn't the only elderly creator of comics, um, you know, he he as we said at the top he you know he's considered the granddaddy of comics but there are so many other creators who are in way worse and just are way worse off um i'm i'm thinking specifically of bill mantlo who created uh rocket raccoon uh uh he he was in really really bad shape and i believe yes. died no 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 he did die no, unless that was very recently, but after the original Guardians of the Galaxy film came out, he was moved into like better living standards because of the attention that was drawn to the fact that the creator of Rocket Raccoon was living in relative poverty. Yeah. Or or, or eventually, like I said, Marvel kind of stepped up and like like helped him out financially. But I also think of like uh, Joe Siegel and Joe uh, Jerry Siegel and Joe Schuster, who lived in a room mm-hmm. with taped up, boxed up windows in their final years. Uh, because of how poorly uh, uh, Time Warner took care of them. There's a one-armed Wonder Woman artist who was just found out to be homeless. And this was a couple of weeks ago. So, like, while this concern for Stan Lee is 
is great and it is, you know, it is important. There are cases of other creators and other, you know, other elderly. I mean, fuck, there are cases of other elderly people who, you know, uh, need that attention as well and as much. Well, yeah, I, I think I think the hope, right, is that people caring about this issue doesn't stop with Stanley. Um, I, I worry that it will. Well, I mean, you know, I think for as many examples as, as there are of the negatives, like you also can focus on the people who are out there trying to do this work. The Comic Book Defense League uh, is a fantastic nonprofit organization that uh, helps comic book creators um, with rights battles and getting residuals and trying to get them in better situations. So um, if you do care about this issue, uh, that's a great way that you can get involved um, by either, you know, seeing how you can get involved with that organization or by donating money or, you know, uh, just being aware of when they are raising money for creators in need and um, and lending your support. The, 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 the bottom line here at the end of the day is... Elderly people are people, and the reality of it all is we should care about other people, and we live in a very unforgiving society where a lot of people are impoverished and struggling to get by and are suffering suffering from any myriad of physical and mental deficiencies that are caught from a myriad of different things, and our, the elderly population is more susceptible to this. They can't work. They can't sustain themselves. Um, their benefits and stuff are being drained. And we need to take care of each other. Yeah, I think that's that's a, a really good note to end it on. I also want to – just a little brighter note. Um, there's a video going around of uh, Stan on the next day. So the, the horror that I described was on the Saturday. So on the Sunday – uh, there's a video of a, a couple that went to take a, a photo with Stan, um, and he, the, the the male individual, proposes to his, you know, then girlfriend, um, and uh, this all happens in front of Stan, and he's smiling and he looks very happy that this is taking place, and uh, the woman says yes, and they're all very happy, and Stan says, "I'm so happy that this happened here. You guys have to come back in ten years for your anniversary." Uh, and he was—he looked so happy, and it was great to see him that way. In contrast to the video that I had seen just prior of you know him looking really bad. So, uh, you know, we unfortunately cannot get to the bottom of this situation uh, here in this conversation, but hopefully, uh, these these articles and the dialogue that we had here. Um, will spur more interest in this to the point where hopefully we can learn some valuable information that maybe we save Stan if he is in need of saving. And then, of course, as Kale said very, very well, that we don't forget about this and that we look to other people who are in similar situations uh, and help them as well. So, um, yeah, uh, very, very sad state of affairs. Uh, if you have any information about this that we maybe didn't share, um, uh, you can absolutely reach out to us in many different ways. And, of course, if you want to talk about anything else that we talked about on the show, uh, you're welcome to write to us. Uh, we are on iTunes. If you hit us up there, you can also leave us a rating as well. Uh, uh, we are at The Comics Pals, wherever your social media is sold. Um, you can write to us at thecomicspals at gmail.com where you can write in with a random question of the week, uh, the books that you are currently reading, 
or commentary on anything we talked about. I'm particularly interested in what you guys have to say about the Ultimate Universe. Do you want it back? Uh, what's your relationship, if anything at all, with the Ultimate Universe? And if it did come back, would you like to see them return to what it was at the end or a fresh start? Uh, and last but of course not least, we're on YouTube uh, where you can leave this video a like, drop us a comment, share it with your friends, and subscribe to our channel. It's free to do, and it costs you nothing. It helps us out a lot. So we really appreciate that. And last oh, plug, of course. Sorry? I was, I was going to say one more thing. If you are a subscriber, click the little bell. Because YouTube's fucking subscription shit's been all fucked lately. And if you want to actually get notifications when we put up our videos, that'll be a way for you to do it. So click yeah, that bell. Yeah, hit that bell. Yep. Uh, as we said earlier, we will have our uh, Infinity Gauntlet book club up this Friday. So stay tuned for that. Let's do some plugs. Pete. <laughs> cool. Uh, thank you, guys. I was pretending that I was putting on the Infinity Gauntlet as you were saying that. Oh, I, <laughs> I thought you were doing. doing I thought Reigns. you were doing an Ultraman thing. It was a. It was a good. It was a good. It was a good transition. Thanks, man. Uh, so, thank you guys for joining us here on another episode of the Comics Pals. If you want to get some more content from me, you can uh, catch me on pretty much all our other programs. Um, our the Video Game Pals, me and Sean, and uh, a couple of our other pals post every day after this show. If you're a fan of gaming, so you can go check that out on podcast services or Cut Up Monday through Thursday on YouTube with the full video episode going on Friday, right along the Comics Pals. Uh, you can also catch me, Kale, and Marco over on our Riverdale Review Show, the Riverdale Review, which I believe comes back this week, correct? Yeah, it does, and I am not ready for it. <laughs> <laughs> this is uh, this is the musical episode. So, oh, God. Heads up. Fun. 5,000% ready for it. Okay. Uh, so that's going to be a fun one. Tune in Tune into that. We're going to have uh, our pal Olivia Hicks back on the show. Uh, she was one of our favorite guests. Um, she'll be back on. She's very excited to talk Riverdale with us. Um, so that should be a good time. And then you can catch me and Thompson Monday through Thursday on our Let's Play show, Pals Play, and then Fridays over on our Twitch channel, twitch.tv slash thecomicspals. Uh, where last night, um, as of this recording, we twitched to Mario Kart 8. You can go watch the uh, on-demand version of that on YouTube or on Twitch right now, and we'll be back there next Friday with another game. Let us know what you want, what you want us to play. Uh, then you can catch me on social media at loud underscore Pete, wherever your social media is sold, and check out my writing uh, on CBR.com. Uh, I've got a new one out this week about Rorschach. Uh, I dug out some uh, some facts that I hadn't even heard in over my 10 years of reading about Watchmen. Um, so go check that out. I think it's worth your time. And uh, I'll have another one out this week. So uh, keep it tuned. Help me pay the bills. Cool. Kale? All right. You can find my books on uh, Panels Publishing uh dot com uh you can buy digital copies on uh selfie.com backslash panels publishing for the whole line you can find cosmic and from the deep and uh i believe some other stuff from letty uh on comiXology under panels publishing um i would also uh uh like to request that everybody go listen to ear meat it's a a, a movie review podcast uh from my friends uh, nathan and Faye uh from panels um, they're just a, a charming British couple, uh, just reviewing, uh, your favorite movies right now. They're doing, uh, the Shrek fa franchise and it's exactly <laughs> what you think it is. Uh, so go, go have a listen, uh, leave a comment, let them know, uh, Kale and the comics pile sent you and, um, um, we'll have a good time. Cool. Uh, Marco. Uh, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Mr. Marco Animoto. Um, and I am also the mod over at 
the official Longbox subreddit, our tentacle gang. You make me so upset. Well, <laughs> I just had to take a fork out of my brain. Um, so it seems to me that the mega powers have exploded and that Sean and I are now feuding over this championship belt. And I think the only way we can settle this is by settling our tiebreaker that we never settled in Injustice 2. Has the gauntlet been thrown down? That's right. So in honor of the Infinity Gauntlet, the gauntlet has been thrown down, and we're going to have to settle a tiebreaker at some point soon. (sighs) That said, Sean and I are finally going to do the WrestleMania review. That will come out at some point this week. Um, I know that's highly anticipated. Um, and then as for me, you can find me at all social media at, uh, Sean Soapbox. Uh, please, for my sake, tweet <laughs> pictures of Jean Grey as a pirate at me. All right. Uh, oh, so <laughs> look at me, then look at Phil. Look at me, then look at Phil. Does he look black to you? No. So he ain't me. Uh, I I am at Sean Soapbox on Twitter only. You can send me pictures of Jean Grey, uh, not as a pirate. Um, and you can what also about talk- as a sexy pirate? Let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> right. You know what? Okay, In- interesting. Uh, and uh, and that's it. So that's the only thing you can send me. So with that, we're the Comics Pals signing off. Take care, guys. See you next week. Bye. Make the pals great again. Oh. AskGeez.com. Jean Grey Sexy Pirate. <laughs>